I came to realize as I grew older that it was more of an impediment than I realized, but still, I was getting closer to God through the King James Version. Um, but I've come to realize through a lot of ministry outreach to people who didn't have the same advantages I did educationally that they really struggled with the King James Version. And it, I was actually a pastor, an outreach pastor of what in the King James only world would be called bus church. <clears throat> and I loved that ministry. I was involved in that kind of thing for like 15 years. And I was the pastor of this outreach congregation for about five and a half years. And my heart's desire was for them to understand God's word. And one of the older African-American ladies who was kicked out of her home when she was a 14-year-old eighth grader for getting pregnant, and she was in her 60s at this point, she brought into church a self-pronouncing King James Version where they had divvied up all the proper names like Mephibosheth with little hyphens and little, you know, um, accent marks to help you pronounce it. And she was just like bowled over by this. She didn't understand it at all. And she's assuming the problem is with her. And it was such a delight to say, okay, everybody, what we're going to do, we're going to get a new international reader's version. And what I knew is this is a Bible that was made with shorter sentences for, um, you know, struggling readers. It's often used in prison ministry or for children's ministry. And we're going to use this. And I'm going to be able to tell you, turn to page, you know, 1051, because that's the same edition we all have. And now, instead of explaining the English, I could explain the Bible. That was such a revelation. I love that because you find that like how you interpret scripture, how you understand it, how you read it, it ultimately does affect your understanding of your relationship with God, which is kind of like where we go, right? And uh, so I guess like that's kind of been the theme or the underlying theme of our discussion is somewhat language and how it affects relationship. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if our relationship because of a certain translation or the favoritism towards a certain translation for many various reasons. I wonder if our modern day religion around that translation has made somewhat of an idol or like almost like a graven image out of that translation of the scriptures. Um, and, you know, how would you speak to that? Have you seen that at all? Well, the King James Version has become a banner that's waved by a certain group of Christians um, that they're proud of that, that puts a dividing line between them and others. And it's not just a, you know, a dividing line. I'm here and you're here. It's actually like a horizontal line and I'm above and you are below. Insofar as that group, the King James, the group of King James onlyists has made use of the King James a mark of their doctrinal and even intellectual superiority over others, then yeah, it's sin. It's dividing the body of Christ over something that God didn't say. And Galatians 5 says that contention and strife and division, which most definitely have come from this viewpoint, um, those are works of the flesh. However, that doesn't mean that every individual within King James onlyism has, um, has the same level of moral culpability. Um, they, I was in that world. You were in that world. You just trust your pastor. And that's not all bad. He was a trustworthy guy on, you know, 95% of the stuff that he was saying. This was an important 5% that he was wrong about. I think the Bible doesn't teach these things, but that makes it especially difficult for people without, you know, some training in the biblical languages to, 
to sort through this issue. You know, I feel like many times our relationship tends to almost, because we put so much work into understanding a book that's not necessarily in our vernacular, um, our relationship becomes with the book and the book is almost equated with God. And we make an idol out of the scriptures rather than understanding the scriptures are representing God. When people become more concerned to have God's word than to understand God's word, that's when any Bible translation, the Latin Vulgate, before long before the King James, was viewed this way and still is in some sectors of Roman Catholicism, where the concern comes to be, let's preserve this sacred object, never place it on the floor, never put anything on top of your Bible. And I'm not saying let's, let's all forget uh, to you know show respect to the physical object, but somehow the, you cross a little line, and God only knows who's crossed that line and when. I'm trying to be as charitable as I can with fellow Christians, but I do often sense, like, guys, come on, do you want to have God's word, or do you want to understand God's word? Like, what's more important to you? When the King James becomes an object separating them from other Christians, I feel like that's they they shifted over into you know treating it idolatrously i just want to be really careful because when i was in king james onlyism it's all i knew and so my pursuit of god did go through the king james bible and you know what i came out okay and i don't think i was sinning to do that but on the movement level i do think the division and contention and strife and the tendency to treat the God's word is something that I'm more interested in having than in understanding. On the movement level, um, I do see that as a kind of idolatry. There's been several in, in, uh, criticisms, and you address 10 of them in your book at the end, uh, and you do a phenomenal job at, as addressing, at addressing them. One of the biggest ones that I've, that I've received or gotten or heard is um, that the accuracy, the accuracy of the King James versus these modern uh, uh, translations. Uh, is there any uh, validation to that? Is there any, um, is, is, is that an accurate statement to say that it, these modern translations aren't as accurate as the King James Bible, that they, they um, purposely leave out certain parts and certain doctrines that you could only find in the King James Bible. That's that's the one that I have heard the most um, at me or towards me. Um, can you speak a little bit towards that? Yeah, actually, you've kind of you're, you've reflected the two major areas of the debate. First is translation. Second is text. So, on the level of translation, is the King James a more accurate translation than other? Uh, Bible translations. Let me put text aside for a second. So talking about translation, I really wish I could just say, no, the King James is not more accurate. But of course, I am obligated to give a longer answer. My first answer there is to actually question the questioner. And I want to be gracious. I want to be charitable. But I just did a video about this. I actually kind of did two, where I said, okay, so if the King James is more accurate as a translation than contemporary translations, how would you know that? And uh, I very seldom get people answering that question with any degree, I'm just going to be frank here, of humility and self-awareness. But I just did have somebody do this for me on my YouTube channel comments. He said, the King James is the most accurate Bible translation. And I said, brother, can you read Hebrew or Greek? 
He said, well, no, I, I cannot. I, so I said, so how can you know if it's the most accurate translation? And he was among the very few who ever said, well, I have people I trust who can read the Hebrew and Greek who can tell me that. So I just said, you know what? That's enough for me as far as this conversation goes. I won't take it any further because at least what you're saying is I'm getting this second hand. In his case, it's probably more like fourth hand. He probably doesn't, he probably doesn't know that, but he's at least saying this isn't by the Bible telling me that the King James is more accurate. I've heard it from other people. Well, then we can stop arguing about something that most of us in the church can't argue about, which is uh, the quality of a translation of, of Hebrew and Greek, because most people in the church can't read Hebrew and Greek. That's, I think, the way God set it up. It's very difficult to learn these two ancient languages. And we can st- instead talk about what we're actually talking about, which is, who should you trust? These people? These people who say they read Hebrew and Greek, or these people who say they read Hebrew and Greek? And that's a very different discussion. At least let's recognize that some um, people who say they read Hebrew and Greek, yeah, they say the King James is more accurate. The great, great majority of Christians who believe the gospel, who trust in Christ, who believe the Bible, and can read Hebrew and Greek, I'm going to say like 98 to 99% of them say, well, no, the King James is not more accurate. That doesn't mean that my side is right, but let's just, just get some clarity there. I will say, as somebody who can read Hebrew and Greek, no, the King James is not more accurate. It's not less accurate either. All translations are, all serious translations uh, made typically by committees are made by responsible people who are just doing their best to get the meaning across as accurately and as readably as possible. Now, text. People say the King James Version includes, you know, um, verses that the modern versions leave out, that they omit. And I have tried to neatly sidestep that debate entirely because what I have found is I never get anywhere with people in this argument because once again, we're talking about something where sort of we have this, we think we're talking about um, Greek texts, but actually what we're talking about is, again, who do you trust, my scholars or your scholars? Because very few people can actually look at two different Greek New Testament manuscripts and read them and compare them and speak intelligently about their differences. That's a really intense level of study. It requires that. So again, let's pull that back and and at least acknowledge that if you can't read a single letter of Greek, then you can't have an intelligent discussion about the differences among Greek manuscripts. And you know what? That means let's just set that aside. Let's talk about something that you can understand, that almost everybody in the English-speaking world can understand. And that is, do you know the word beeves? Yes or no? Do you know the word bold? B-O-L-L-E-D? Yes or no? Do you know the word halt? what the King James translators meant by it in 1 Kings 18.21. Do you know what the word, the phrase, so that meant in 1 Kings 8.25? And I can go on and on through my false friends. The Bible does not speak to how do we adjudicate among differences in Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. It doesn't say a thing about it. It does say edification requires intelligibility. So when people want to talk text with me, I say, brother, I can agree to disagree on that. You know what? The New King James and the Modern English Version, they're based on the very same texts as the King James Version. So if you prefer those texts, totally fine. I'd prefer you not call me a heretic. I believe them 
the Bible and believe in Christ like you do, and if you really want to get into it, okay, we can. But first, you need to acknowledge what the Bible says clearly. Edification requires intelligibility. And because of archaisms in the King James Version, the King James is no longer as intelligible as it was when it was first released. I need to get you to acknowledge what's clear before I'm willing to talk with you about what's much more difficult and, frankly, often unclear. So I'm encouraging people out there, keep text and translation totally separate. Only talk about translation if you can possibly help it. I've made a vow. Very few vows in my life. One was to love my wife with the true love of delight. One was to never vote for a pro-abortion politician. I'm not saying everybody else has to do that any more than they all have to love my wife. But um, the third vow is that I will never debate textual criticism with someone who insists on the exclusive use of the King James Version. It was just a reminder to myself, this is fruitless and never goes anywhere. The Bible does not speak with clarity to this. Let's talk about translation because that's where the Bible addresses matters with clarity. And that's what's accessible to people. Our modern languages, I, I heard, hey, you got the Texas Receptus, you got those groups of, of manuscripts. Now you have the more modern ones that were fi- found in Egypt. And you're like, oh, Egypt represents the world. And these were found in Antioch, you know, where the church first started. And you mentioned that modern translations use the same manuscript as King James Bible. There are two major modern evangelical English Bible translations that use the same Hebrew and Greek texts as the King James translators did. And that would be the New King James Version and the Modern English Version. Now, I am very, very careful not to call brothers in Christ liars unless I know that they know they're saying something that's untrue. And how often do I have access to their internal knowledge of things? Pretty much never. So I am not saying that my King James only brothers are lying here, but as a movement, they have believed and supported several clear untruths that I think are not debatable whatsoever, and they need to acknowledge it. And this is one of them. I have frequently heard, and I've been told by many other King James only and ex-King James only folks people who use more than one translation, that they were told in King James Onlyism, there's only one Bible that was translated from the pure text. It's the King James Version. That is simply not true. And the more responsible King James Only leaders, and I know some of them, brothers in Christ, I genuinely respect. They acknowledge this, but I would like to see them pushing back against that particular piece of misinformation more often than they do. It just seems to me the great majority of pastors in the King James Only world talk as if the King James is the only Bible translation that's based on the pure text, as they say. What would you say to someone that may be still a little apprehensive about using or even reading from a modern version that may like ease a little bit of that in their point of view? I'd say a couple things. Um, And I first, I really want to be careful with Christian consciences because Romans 14 and 15 tell me to be right? I wouldn't be engaged in this work if I didn't think it's actually important to push the weaker brother here a little bit. And there are areas of my life where I think I may be the weaker brother, where I've started to wonder, is my conscience too sensitive on a certain issue? Am I too shaped by tradition? I'm not going to get into those specifics, but I want to be humble and recognize that. Um, First, I want to treat people's consciences carefully. Second, though, where am I going to push past people's consciences? It's going to be in areas where it's not only significant, like in reading God's word in your own language. That's huge. 
but also areas to which the Bible has spoken with clarity. So if I neatly separate text and translation and someone says to me, well, my conscience is bound to read only the pure text of scripture, not the ones that omit verses, which, yeah, we could get into that and I can explain why that just isn't true. I don't believe that whatsoever. Why would I want a Bible that omits verses? I don't read a Bible that omits verses. I think the King James actually uses text that added a few phrases and verses here. Okay, but I'm going to set that aside. Let's talk about your conscience. Your conscience is bound. It's got to be the Textus Receptus and the Masoretic text. Brother, fine. That's totally fine. But now, why do we? Why do you keep pushing on my conscience, uh, Mark? It's because of 1 Corinthians 14. I want to use Bible to push past people's uh, objections of conscience. I don't want to talk about Antioch and Alexandria, a bunch of historical stuff that the Bible doesn't explicitly say. But the Bible explicitly says... 1 Corinthians 14, repeatedly, edification requires intelligibility. You can't be built up if you're not understanding what's going on. And if, if that's true of tongues where it's 100% not understandable versus 100% intelligible, I think it's also true of translation where we're not talking about 100% unintelligible with the King James, but, you know, maybe 10%, maybe 20%. If you go to Paul and say, Paul, you know, you said edification requires intelligibility, but is it okay if like, you know, 10 or 20% of the time we stick with traditional wording, even though the people don't understand it? I think Paul would say, now, can you just go read my letter again? I said edification requires intelligibility. If you can use words people understand, then please, by all means, do that. You know, you're kind of like Abraham with the Lord at Sodom. Like, you know, if there are five righteous in the city, is that okay? Um, No, let's make it so that it's all as intelligible as we can make it. So I, I am willing to push past people's consciences, setting aside text and say, read the New King James Version or Modern English Version if You've been told, you know, the Texas Receptus is the only one that's trustworthy. Totally fine. Here's two translations that use the very same texts as uh, underlying Greek and Hebrew texts as the King James Version. That's one way I'd answer that. Another way I'd answer that is, okay, you've grown up in King James onlyism like I did. <clears throat> I'm talking to the imaginary person out there. You love God's word as I did when I was coming out of King James onlyism. And when I heard for the first time ever, a preacher that I would call expository, somebody who really gave me Bible. And for an hour to an hour and 10 minutes, I would sit there as a 16 and 17 year old, literally on the edge of my seat, cannot believe this is done when the pastor is done because he's feeding me Bible. That has to be good. The guy's not perfect any more than any pastor is perfect, but I know that's meat. I'm eating that. I would say, go eat some expository preacher meat. Listen to Mark Minnick. Listen to his series on Ephesians. He actually preached it from the King James Version. Read some of the books by some of the translators of the modern versions, like Vern Poitras is a godly older man that I know personally actually rather well. I run his website. Or Doug Moo of the New International Version. Read his commentary on Romans or any of his numerous books on the New Testament. And you tell me, was that meat? And I think most people are going to say, yeah. There is a lot of good stuff in there. That really fed my soul. And now I understand and love the Lord better. Then ask yourself, would total heretics be writing this stuff and preaching this way? That doesn't make sense. So let trustworthy people like Mark Minnick, Vern Poitras, Doug Moo, none of them is perfect. I have my disagreements actually with all of them, the least with Mark Minnick, my longtime pastor. Um, but let their trustworthiness be a bridge for you, at least into the New King James and the modern English version. Just try it. 
bite into it. Tell me this isn't good spiritual food. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mark. And, you know, you're spending your time with us, answering our questions and your graciousness and being able to look at uh, kind of both sides and just be uh, gentle and charitable. I encourage everyone to read, authorize, follow uh, Mark Ward. I know you're on YouTube. You want to tell us the platforms that you're on? Yeah, YouTube is probably the main place where people might want to follow who are interested in this debate. But I don't want the King James Only debate to take over my public ministry on behalf of Christ's body. So Bible Study Magazine is also a great place to follow some stuff that I'm doing. And on the Logos Bible Software YouTube channel, you can follow my Word Nerd videos or my Bible Study Magazine podcast videos, or you can uh, listen to uh, Bible Study Magazine podcast on all the standard you know, platforms. And we hardly talk about the King James at all. We're just talking about Bible. I just got done actually interviewing uh, David Firth, who wrote a commentary on Joshua. And I have an awesome job where I get paid to learn about the Bible. You know, um, use me as a bridge, if if you would, King James Only listener out there. Listen to some of these podcasts. Read some other stuff that I've written. You just tell me, am I serving you with God's word? Would a heretic yeah. do that? Yeah. yeah. No, great. I think I think that's awesome. And our podcast does not revolve around, you know, King James Onlyism. Um, this is actually the first podcast we talked about the, the King James Bible a little bit. Um, but it just it was just so instrumental in our lives in understanding um god and looking him and like you said i think best is you know now god is more near as opposed to it was a more distant god 